let's put our hands together for all the moms again. Celebrate them. We love them. Hey, we know it's a loaded Sunday, but it's a good Sunday, isn't it? Oh, I'm so grateful for the, 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 the day, the significance of today. Listen, we had a little Mother's Day yesterday for my wife. We went to Simply Thai, y'all. We got our Thai food on. Spice level five, and I'm still in recovery, somebody, so this may be a short message. Uh, but come on, they were out of dessert. How many of you know on Mother's Day, I'm just going to say this, you about to do lunch with your mama, make sure you get dessert. It's that day, y'all, okay? They were out of dessert, so we had, a, we had to trudge through the traffic. We had to dig our heels deep and remain patient. And we went to Crumble Cookie, y'all. It was a good day. It was a good day, somebody. Um, good day. I also want to give honor where honor is due. If you have missed a couple Sundays or didn't get to hear last Sunday's message, I want to encourage you, get online and listen, listen to the message. Josh Roll, everybody, did an amazing job. His sermon was titled, Speak Life, talking about the power of our words. And um, listen, I was confronted by the Lord on Monday, and I, I really felt he wanted me to continue the theme. And I was arguing. I was like, look, God, were you not there last Sunday to hear Speak Life? And I felt like he put on my heart to talk about today the significance of healing words. Healing words. Words. Now I'm going to say, if you get a choice between today's message or last message, take last week's message, everybody, okay? But today, um, I'm really continuing with something Josh did tie into the sermon in, in tremendous ways as he looked at the acronym of life. And for whatever reason, Lord, really laid on my heart Monday morning. I, I have a few other, how many of you know Proverbs got a lot going on? There's a few options to us as pastors. But I really, really was nudged, nudged in the direction of healing words. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. And the silence is to prepare your heart for today's joke, okay? And then we'll be diving into the message. On this Mother's Day, I want to share a joke, a little, little humorous story about three sons and their gifts to their mother who was getting older in age. They recognized the time was coming, not, not near, but several years still down the road, and they realized, man, we've reached a place in life. Let's bless our mom with something significant, more than just a, a lunch, more than just a birthday, but some significant gift. So the first built his mom a house. I mean, come on. The second said, I sent her a Mercedes with a driver. I mean, this is the next level. These are some hillside sons, everybody. The third smiled and said, I've got you both beat. You remember how mom enjoyed reading the Bible? And you know she can't see very well anymore. I sent her a remarkable parrot that recites the entire Bible. It took elders in the church 12 years to teach him. He's one of a kind, one of a kind parrot. Mama just has to name the chapter and verse, and the parrot recites it. Pretty incredible. Well, soon after, as a good mom, she wrote her thank you notes to each son. To the first, she said, Milton, the house you built, it's so huge. I live in only one room. I have to clean the whole house. 
The second she wrote, Gerald, I'm too old to travel anymore. My eyesight isn't what it used to be. I stay home most of the time, so I rarely use the Mercedes. And the driver is so rude. Here is Donald, her third son. You have the good sense to know what your mother liked. You know the way to a mother's heart. The chicken was delicious. <laughs> All right. All right. I'd like to say, stay around. I got all day. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. You know you're in a special place when, the, when this pastor has to read the jokes. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, uh, today, today, Proverbs 15, verse 4, a particular translation, the Passion Translation. It says this, when you speak healing words, you offer others fruit from the tree of life. When you speak, when you speak healing words. You know, with our words, as Joshua eloquently and strategically shared last week, we say a lot of things. We got a lot of ground to cover. I love particularly one of my highlights from last Sunday was, was the surprise in the acronym, the L. I was convinced it was love, but he said, listen, and that was painful, but I recovered enough to preach. He talked about listening, being aware, and I think, I will say this, I think what's key in being a person that follows Christ, you know the ultimate mark of spiritual maturity is to love others well, somebody. It's not if you got doctrine memorized. It's not how many verses of the Bible you can quote. It's the posture of your heart that Jesus modeled the way, how to love well. And this message is all about that. It's when you speak, like when we speak, how many of you know we got some options on the table? When disappointments arrive, when hardship arrives, when circumstances are unfavorable, when we're ticked off, how many of you know? Some of you, you're like, I only have one option. You don't. <laughs> there are multiple options on the table. And Proverbs 15, 4 says, when you speak healing words, here's what happens. You don't have control of how the other person receives it, but what automatically happens is here you've given them an opportunity to taste fruit, to eat fruit from the tree of life. It's, it's like all the commercials that tell you to eat healthy. What are they getting at? Well, it's nutrients for your body. Healing words are nutrients for the soul. So many people we encounter on a daily basis, and they've got a story, a backstory, a difficulty, an affliction, a circumstance they're navigating, that oftentimes they don't lead with that information. But here you are being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Here you are being healed to heal others. And so intentionally and sometimes by accident, the words of the Lord come out and you're able to encourage, but do more than that. You're actually able to heal a part of their life part of their soul. You know, studies were made about how many words people speak on a day. And uh, maybe pastors 
or people that uh, are in a sales role or a leadership position of some sort where you're having to do a lot of talking, a teacher and others, um, you find yourself actually studies say you're closer to 40,000 words a day. But even on the low end, like the quietest, the quietest communicators say up to 6,000 words a day. Either way, that's a lot of talking. It's a lot of words. And I think what's vital in our walk with God, I love Josh highlighted this, uh, I definitely know in first service, he talked about every once in a while we need to do a little inventory of our words and, and, and what's being spoken. It's not always fun. It's not always convenient. But it's important because how many of you know life can move quite quickly? Decisions can be made quite rapidly, and we can find ourselves 5, 10, 15 years down the line. And so it's important every once in a while as we're in our quiet time, as we're before the Lord, sometimes in church, in the middle of worship, or on the way home from church, thinking about, hmm, let me give a little inventory about my life. I've found a really frustrating, inconvenient, and uncomfortable question, and I wanted to share it with you today. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Isn't that annoying? I mean, that information alone, I thought you were here to encourage and inspire us, Pastor. That question has helped me in the last decade of my life. I actually heard another pastor do a whole sermon on that. And I thought, wow, what a, what a good one-liner to put in my toolbox for life to ask myself, man, what, I wonder what it's like to be on the other side of me. I wonder, are people healed? Are they taking steps towards wholeness? Yeah, I was talking with Kelly earlier in the week. One of the images I I have for ministry is envisioning people like a garden. And so the words that are spoken, the actions that are given, are they building up a beautiful garden? Are they building up beautiful flowers and plants and trees? (laughs) Or is it like I just went there with Roundup, somebody, and tore them down, broke them down? You know... We have such a beautiful, beautiful invitation, such a guide and charge from the Holy Spirit to be people that as we stay in step, Paul would say, stay in step with the Spirit. And you know, as we stay in step with the Spirit, I want you to hear this loud and clear. Behind us, there's not a trail of dead bodies. There's a trail of healed hearts, healed relationships. Souls strengthened, inspired, people making incremental steps towards Christ. Jesus modeled the way for us. You notice, Jesus did a lot of teaching in the synagogues, like he knew the scriptures. But he reminded us of a people, in fact, he actually spoke it to them. He spoke to the Pharisees, he said, you search these scriptures, looking for the Messiah. And you can't see that he's right here. Sometimes people use the Bible or Scripture in a weapon-minded manner. And that's actually far from the heart of God. God encourages us to be people who speak truth. Josh did a great job highlighting this last week. Speak truth, but partner it with the grace that comes from God. The grace that comes from Jesus Several uh, times, Kelly and I have led a marriage small group 
And it was based on the curriculum, the five love languages. Just a quick show of hands. You're familiar with the five love languages, everybody? Okay, and these five love languages, um, I, I can tell two things. When I ask people about them, either they've heard about them or it changed their life. Usually it's two things. For me, I'm in the second category, like it changed my life. It, it, it helped a man who did not know how to communicate love and necessarily receive love. It changed the game for my life. But here's a little interesting. There's no data on this for me from the love languages. Just, just my personal experience leading this course uh, three times. I would guess probably taking over 50, 60 people through the five love languages curriculum. I kid you not, every single Love languages assessment. Every person, they tell you to zero in on your top two. Every single person had words of affirmation in the top two. May have been number one, may have been number two. I want you to think about that. How they give and receive. The test is about how you actually receive love. Words of affirmation, healing words communicate the love of God. The hope of God, the peace of God. Luke 6.45, the gospel of Luke 6.45, Jesus strategically teaches, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his or our heart, our mouth speaks, somebody. Here's what I know about our journey with the Lord. As we grow and mature in our relationship with the Lord, we are transformed. We become healed. Like, if, if you're at Hillside thinking everybody's healed and perfect, <laughs> womp, 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 that's not reality, right? If you're up here thinking I'm healed and perfect, womp, 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 okay? But here's one of the byproducts of living in an interactive relationship with the Lord. If we make time to meet with him, he is so gracious to heal our wounds and our woundedness. He is so gracious to utter forgiveness, mercy, where we can appropriate the truth of all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. One of the um, Greek terms for salvation is sozo, S-O-Z-O, and it's a healing that is whole. It's not simply a mind appropriation to our trespasses. It is that. It is important that we understand the truth of God's word. But it is a spiritual condition, dare I even say a physical condition that we can step into. It doesn't necessarily happen immediately, but here, hear this. As we are being healed, what gets the overflow of our heart? Healing. Healing. And as we heal others with our words, we're offering them an opportunity, an opportunity to taste from the tree of life. You know, I used to spend um, my, my time and my thought patterns on if I could just, if I could just let people know, like, like not yelling at them, but maybe a little yelling when I was first going in ministry as a youth pastor. I like to tell teens how badly they missed the mark. You're nothing but a, well, I was about to say beep, beep, beep. That's not true. I never use language. 
But I would just be like, man, you're, you're, you know, how could you do this? How could you say this? And you call yourself a Christian. And, 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 I, and I began to realize, huh, the Holy Spirit never talks to me like that. <laughs> Every time the Lord speaks, oh, he will convict me like none other. I mean, you know what conviction feels like, right? It's, it's, it's a beautiful gift to the soul, but it never leaves me paralyzed or condemned. It leaves me longing to be transformed, longing to be healed, longing to be whole. Amen. And so I realized, ooh, my heart needed some healing. And over the years, by God's grace, more and more healing. I'm on a mission of stepping into more wholeness. Like this message in 2024, just wait, it's going to be even better. Why? Because I'm going to be more healed. And the same is true in our environments. Sometimes we kick our, 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 our foot against the wall or bang our head against the wall thinking, Lord, why do you let me be surrounded by these coworkers? Why on earth are these circumstances happening in my workplace? If you're the boss, why on earth did HR hire them? <laughs> if you're the employee, why on earth did HR hire these bosses, right? Whatever the tension is. And here you are, showing up to work, being healed, extending the kindness of God to somebody that's been beating themselves up from a life mistake, beating themselves up from a past sin, a past sin cycle. And you come along. You may whisper something simple like, God's not done with you yet. Maybe something small like, I'm praying for you. Or, hey, this pastor talked to church, and he said, man, God's got a hope in the future for your life, and I believe that for you. You never know how it's going to go, but you can know this. We have an opportunity when we open our mouth and when we speak. So part of the way we do this inventory is to just ask, just to reflect. Are we a healing experience? Think of this. Do people leave loved, encouraged? Full of hope, strengthened in faith, inspired, truth in love, promises declared over their lives. You know, I'm thinking, we can leave that list up. I'm thinking about Jesus and Peter. Jesus' response to Peter. Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, one of the inner three. Peter was with Jesus in some of the most remarkable highs and lows of Jesus' earthly ministry. Peter also made profoundly, outside of Judas, about the biggest mistake one of the disciples made. One of the biggest regret bombs ever in all of the Gospels. When on the greatest need of Jesus' life, Peter denied knowing him three times. You can imagine the turmoil, inner life, regret, profound remorse. He didn't have Paul's writings, and he's applying condemnation after condemnation after condemnation. So much so that 40 days after the resurrection, you know what the disciples are doing? They're no longer fishing for men. They're fishing for fish. They've lost sight of their calling, their purpose. He was filled with mistake, filled with regret, filled with remorse. And what do we see with Jesus? Jesus does what all good ministers do calls for a potluck on the beach and cooks Peter 
breakfast. Hear this. While Jesus is on trial, Peter's around the fire with the aroma of the wood burning, and he's saying, I didn't know that guy. On the beach, Jesus has made a fire. He's cooking fish that they just brought in from the cats. And while Peter was disowning Jesus, Jesus is here. Your Bibles are saying, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, reinstating Peter. You have to ask yourself, in the days in between, was Peter unloved? Did God turn his back on Peter? Did God run from Peter? Did God forsake Peter? No. All along those seasons and those days, even while Peter is beating himself up, God has never left him for one moment. God's seen him. God's calling him. God invites him. Jesus reinstates him. A couple weeks from there, Peter has been healed from the wounds. He's aware of what he's capable of now, but he's been healed from the wounds. Can I tell you, when we heal others, here's what happens in their lives. They grow in their confidence, not arrogance. They grow in their confidence. They get their wings, so to speak, for life. And here's Peter, the man denying Christ in his moment of need. Now, Acts 2, baby, the Holy Spirit has baptized them all. And they are thinking, what is up? And Peter sees, we have an opportunity. Peter preaches the gospel. Repent and be baptized. At times of refreshing may come to your soul. What happens? Yeah, some minor altar call. Just 3,000 people commit their lives to Christ. That's the power. It's a picture. It's a real moment in the course of the gospel story and the birth of the early church. Healing words through Jesus, restoring souls, restoring minds. We're just partners with ultimately what God can do. Amen? You know, he, he's the one doing it. We're just the ones who get to speak it. Amen, somebody? But I wonder this week what's before us. I wonder what people are before us. I wonder what Minds are before us. Now, here's the deal. I just bring up Peter and, you know, the church. But here's what I know. God's given each of us circles of influence. That first circle of influence, it can oftentimes be the one we take the most for granted, but it's the one that needs it the most. Family. The circle we take the most for granted. The person, if you're married here, the person you take most for granted might be, might be, I caught myself, might be your spouse. I make it a daily practice to bring healing words, to speak healing words over my family. But I told you I'm not perfect. I also have bad days. There's some stress words involved from time to time in my home as well. (laughs) But I do make a point to bring life, to bring healing and let me tell you what all the mamas know today sometimes you speak in that by faith and faith alone baby because you know you walk by faith and not by sight and those daughters that son that teenage son or daughter man you like how can i bring life to this <laughs> so what do you do you just say it by faith god's got a plan god's got a future god god sees you god loves you 
And what slowly but surely begins to happen is your heart begins to be transformed. Family, family, that circle, that first circle, so, so important. Those we love have the tendency to be taken the most for granted. Don't take your family for granted. Cherish them. Cherish the time you have with them. Speaking healing words over them and into their life. Value them and build them up. I mean, choreograph moments to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring life. I mean, sometimes I know my personality. When there's a big mistake on the scene, sometimes my my, my temperament is to make sure they know how big the mistake was, to know what led to the mistake, and to find a path that they never make the mistake again. And then sometimes God's like, how about letting them know how loved they are? And I'm like, but God, what about X, Y, and Z? How about just letting them know there's nothing they can do that will ever stop you from loving them? How about letting them know you decided today's a past day where you're going to practice 1 Corinthians 13 and actually not give them a record of their wrong? How about you show them the heart of your heavenly father? And so, sometimes I get that right. God's inviting you and me to use healing words. Those circles of influence are important. Your family, the next circle of influence, your friends, those maybe extended family. And of course, the next set is your workplace. It is staggering, it is staggering in this society we live in, the amount of medications available to people, the amount of substances available to people. And if you ask anyone that is either in recovery or has gone through recovery, they're always medicating something. 9.9 out of 10 times, it's a past wound, a past mistake. Maybe in their family of origin, someone who didn't believe in them. Maybe as a young adult, they made some poor mistakes, and they're filled with regret, filled with disappointment. Like, you know, most of the time, people are doing a fine job with their own inner critic, that they don't need us to come alongside and tell them how well they messed up. They need us to come alongside and say, hey, I know this is tough. I know this is bad, but there's hope, and his name is Jesus, and he can set you free from your sins. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word over your life, that it's not complicated. It's simple. You can call upon his name, and he will begin to change your life. Scriptures will say you'll be a new creation like people are looking to hear that people are looking to receive words of healing now it might be five or six conversations before you ever get to that point you got to break the ground of their soul but sometimes the holy spirit's like nah today's a good day but the healing words are like the words in isaiah where it says my word will not return void Proverbs 15, 4, that's what our healing words do. They offer unto these people fruit 
from the tree of life. I'm going to close three quick thoughts. I'm not really going to explain them, but I want to encourage you. I found these to be helpful for me personally. First, see people as a promise, not a problem. Fight for that. Fight for that perspective. Do whatever it takes to have that perspective. Because of my own wounds, my own mistakes, my own hurt, my own past, my own issues, everybody, are doing battle enough. And I've got to be able to fight. If I want to be a vessel for love, a vessel for hope, a vessel of forgiveness, a vessel of the gospel truth, you've got to fight over your mindset, your mental models, your autopilot, your perspective has to be disrupted with the goodness and the hope of God. And we have to fight. Come on, am I the only person? Y'all are quiet. Am I the only person who is sometimes tempted to see people, nobody here at Hillside, just people, as a problem and not a promise? Well, we get offended. When people don't commit to the word they spoke, they get flaky, they get frustrated, and they criticize. The temptation is to move them into a category of problem. I want to encourage you to fight for that space over your life. Judas was with Jesus till the end. We've got to fight for that space. Why did Jesus let it go that long? I can't. That's one of my heavenly questions. But I believe one reason is because Jesus had the heart of his father, which in Psalm 103, it says... He is more patient than we are deserving. That God is slow to anger. Jesus carried the heart of his father while on earth. And Jesus had to fight for that space. I can promise you, like some of those Pharisees, man, I could tell by the tone in his voice. He's, he's being sure. Oh, I want to keep in mind, there are people there, a promise, not a problem. Everybody we're encountering. The ones that are thorns in the flesh, listen, they got a promise over their life. And it's our blessing, it's our joy to partner with God. Like God, sometimes you just got to say it to God. God, I don't know what, what I could declare over their life. But God will give you the words. God will give you what to do, the way to say it. And so what do you do? You bring in healing words. Second, this is also helpful, but you know this. Put yourself in their shoes. Many times, the most critical, the people who do the most damage to others, the most broken places, are usually people who've experienced a lot of brokenness and damage in their past. Hurt people hurt people. Heal people heal people. Amen? Holy Spirit has given us the privilege and right to be healed in our lives. One of the ways we can do is by putting ourselves in their shoes. Not to get the whole picture, but just to begin to understand why. What is their journey? What is their life story? What have they been experiencing? I guarantee you, your grace level will go up. And then this final thought, this is for you. Daily strengthen yourself with the healing words God speaks over you. You're going places with your pain. Daily strengthen yourself with the healing words God speaks over you. Have you ever taken the time to write down verses over your life? 
verses over your future. Verses over the pain you're currently experiencing. We can approach scripture as just pages on a paper, the logos, and it is that. But scripture also holds a rhema quality to it. A supernatural, faith-filled, jump out at the page, land on your heart. And when there's pain and difficulty, I hope you'll do the due diligence to strengthen yourself in the Lord, as David did on his worst day. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Like, church is great, but here's the deal. We've got about 70 minutes with you. There's a chance depending on your evening habits, you've given Fox or CNN 90 minutes a day. You do the math. Here's what I encourage you. In your daily devotion, your daily quiet time, pleasantly, pleasantly speak to yourself. It's got to go. You're not broken. You've been made healed, whole. The Savior who saved you before he did one miracle, his Father in heaven, looked down at his baptism and said, you're my beloved. You're my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. Like we're not striving toward, we're receiving from. If there's anything you get out of that, just do number three. Can I tell you, you just do number three, one and two, they just gonna happen. I mean it. By osmosis, they're going to happen. When you value yourself how your father values you, over time, it's just going to happen. I mean that sincerely. I remember one little gesture. A pastor years ago, no kidding, his name was Jack Frost, of all people. No joke. Legit, <laughs> legit. Jack Frost, legit. And uh, I was at a, some revival services in the city of Toronto couple decades ago and I remember he was like at a, at a conference you know and he's talking and he brought this little symbol to mind and he's talking I mean there's just thousands thousands in the room and he says hey I want to let you know that when God got up today and when he went to the fridge to get his coffee guess whose picture was right on front yours I was like oh that's cute People started weeping all along the room. And I'm thinking, what? That's what happens when the Holy Spirit wants to minister to a tree. Do you know how people approach God? So often they feel less than. They lead with their lies. They lead with their sin. They lead with their wrongdoing. They lead with their brokenness. John 3.16 Shows us the Father who leads with love. And he's motivated by love. His healing words for our lives. John 3.17 says he didn't come into the world to condemn. But he came to save. God knows that his love saves lives. Amen. Let's end today. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for every person. Thank you for every word you speak over our lives. Lord, right now, I can't personally pray for every person, but I invite you, Holy Spirit, to touch every heart. 
Would you whisper your healing word of life over them? Would you remind them of the scriptures that you've spoken all throughout your word? Some people need to hear, God, like Isaiah, where you tell Israel in Isaiah, I'm giving you a new name. Or like Paul, we need to hear we're a new creation. Or like the person, the lady that was brought to your feet, God, accused, thrown out, marginalized. And you looked at her and you said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Lord, may we become your beloved people, children of the living God. Thank you for your kindness and your goodness, Lord, in Jesus' name. Listen. All eyes closed, if we can, just a moment of privacy for people to encounter God. If you're here, you know you need to get right with the Lord, or you know you need to give your life to the Lord. You can leave here born again. You can leave here on the path to freedom from sin, knowing that life from here on out on earth is with God, and life in eternity is with God. You can be saved in this moment. Jesus loves you. He lived, he died, he resurrected, and he ascended for you to walk in relationship with your Father. You can be forgiven right now. You can come in with everything you did, and you can leave forgiven of every sin that's been defining your life. Of the worst day that you've been playing on repeat, you can leave forgiven before God. Why don't you say this if you know he's knocking on the heart of your door. Lord, forgive me. I need you as my Savior. I invite you into my heart. Lord, I repent of all my sins. I trust you and I give you my past, my present, and my future. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me, filling me with your spirit, that I might follow you all the time.